You're about to hear a conversation with Tony Overbay, a phenomenal marriage and family therapist out in California. And we actually had Tony Overbay come out to Utah a few months ago and do a three, four hour presentation that was phenomenal. So if you listen to this episode and you like what you hear, you can go to leadingsaints.org slash 14. That'll give you access to our full core leader library for 14 days. That'll give you plenty of time to go through the additional content that Tony Overbay has created in our Leading Saints live content. And uh, it is worth a listen. It's all video and whatnot. And he always makes it fun. So if you want to hear more of Tony, go to leadingsaints.org slash 14. And you'll also get our full library of content, all of our virtual summits on helping individuals overcome pornography, helping individuals with faith crises, all of it. It's a phenomenal library that you must experience for at least 14 days. So go to leadingsaints.org slash 14. All right, let's go around the room, do some introductions. I'll start. So my name is Kurt Frankham. I am the executive director of Leading Saints, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. And we are dedicated, you know, have a mission here to help Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. Now, me personally, I live in Stansbury Park, Utah, which is in Tooele County. I grew up in West Valley City and I've been running Leading Saints really since 2010 when it started out as a hobby blog. 2014 is when the podcast started and now we are over 10 million downloads. And uh, man, we're glad that you are now one of those downloads. Let's jump in. Hey everyone, this is Kurt Frankham with the Leading Saints podcast. And well, you might also be listening to this on the Virtual Couch podcast because this is a simulcast, simulcast, simulcast. That's right. So Tony Overbay came to Salt Lake. We met up and I just said, Tony, we could probably think of a phenomenal outline of what we could talk about, but let's definitely not do that because what typically happens when Tony and I get together is we have an outline and then we completely stray from that outline so we met up and I didn't even let him, you know, do the small talk. We just, I sat him down and said, here's your mic, let's go. And away we went. And there's so much to listen for in this conversation. We talk about what is it like for an individual to walk into a therapist's office as opposed to walking into a bishop's office? And what should we look for in those interactions of when we go to a leader or a therapist and getting help overcoming a problem? And how does that differ? And what can we learn from that? How do we diffuse the shame of it? And, you know, when sin's involved and whatnot and phenomenal discussion, then we jump into his experience talking about narcissism on the Waking Up the Narcissist. Is that the name of the podcast, Tony? I don't know. We'll link to it in the show notes. But this is a little bit different of an episode where, like I said, we didn't have necessarily a set outline, but we sit down together as friends and as people very passionate about therapy and leadership and helping people find joy and happiness and redemption in life. And we start talking about it. So I'd love to hear your feedback. We sometimes stray a little bit or go down some wormholes that, but we always bring it back. So I'd love your feedback. If you like these, Kurt and Tony get together and geek out about therapy related topics, uh, let us know. We'd love to get your feedback or maybe you hate it. This is a long episode, so we're probably going to split it up in a couple parts maybe. And if you don't like it, like let us know. We'd love the feedback or maybe every six months or so when Tony comes to town, we get together and we do this again because uh, there's always something fascinating to talk about and learn from. So here is, well, my conversation with Tony Overbay, the host of the Virtual Couch Podcast, talking to me, Kurt Frankham, the host of the Leading Saints Podcast. Let's go.
we are in Sandy, Utah, yeah. in Salt Lake City, and Tony, you're in town. We thought, well, let's just get in a room, yeah. get some mics, and start talking. And you literally walked in here three minutes ago, Yes, and I put a mic in front of you and said, oh, I see what you're doing. record. Okay? Yes. Because I actually, I don't know if you know Gaina Lynn Condi. Oh, I do. Yeah. yeah. She's fantastic. I was right? on uh, her, the middle. Oh, you were? Yeah. And oh. I did an Instagram live, and I need to get her. She's going to come do an yeah, episode of mine. So I went to her house and to record, she wrote a new book and we talked for 90, almost two, two hours before we hit record. And I was like, man, we've talked about so much good stuff. So I'm not going to fall into that trap. I'm just going to hit it. And we can, okay. if you want to talk about your mom for a bit, I, we can do that and then edit it out. I'll do see? it later. <laughs> the last time that I recorded with you, if you remember, we were at your house in your studio and we went for over an hour, hour and a half uh-huh. about a topic that I thought we were going to talk about. And then we went a completely different direction. Do you remember that? Yeah. So that's why we learned. Let's not even plan. Yeah. So exactly. So this is going to be a little bit different of an episode and we may publish it on the virtual couch. I would like to do that. Okay. Yeah. And it's definitely going on leading saints. Okay. Now I feel pressure. Well, (laughs) you start like, who are you for the people listening that don't know you? It's fair point. I am Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I actually grew up here in Sandy, Utah, and I moved away. I was just putting the pieces of that together in 1992. Wow. Or 93 and moved to California and... So every time I come back, I still feel like it's the same place, but it's definitely uh, much different. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm a, a marriage and family therapist and I spent 10 years in, uh, with a, in a computer software career that I didn't realize how little I enjoyed it until I got out of it, which is a big part of even the therapy, the counseling I do, because I love helping people really find something that yeah. matters to them. Man, see, I Isn't just, that true? Like yes. if there's anybody out there who just thinks, thinks maybe they don't enjoy their job, oh. like it probably means you definitely need to you get You don't. Out. And then yeah. I know we've talked about this. I think uh, I see, look, I want to take credit of all of your growth as well, Kurt. <laughs> yes. It's... But acceptance and commitment <laughs> therapy, the model of therapy I use, that uh-huh. concept of experiential avoidance of we'll do anything other than the thing we need to do if we right? really don't like the thing we do. So I spent 10 years in a career experientially avoiding everything. Yeah. And just, did you just wake up one day that I'm just going to start the classes to be a therapist or like, what was the like moment? Okay. This where is you embarrassing. Thought, I okay. mean, I don't honestly, I realize now, and this will probably play into some of the things we'll talk about today around emotional maturity and emotional immaturity. And I didn't know what I didn't know uh-huh. and taking ownership of things. Oh, and now I just felt that we're going to go some fun places today, Kurt. We are. <laughs> so the real reason is, yeah, I was pretty miserable in my computer software career. And so the big escape to me every day was to leave my office and go to lunch. And so I would go to lunch and then I would get it and I would go to this uh, Denny's parking lot that was a couple miles away from my office and I would just eat lunch and listen to talk radio. And there was a Dr. Laura Schlesinger. Oh, who, yeah. Right, Dr. Uh-huh. Laura so is she still on the radio? I don't think so. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy, I feel bad. I mean, bad. does the radio still exist? No. And that's the thing, <laughs> she right? She probably has a podcast. There you go. Yeah. yeah. And so I would listen to Dr. Laura all the time and I was just so fascinated by everyone's stories and just the things that she would say. And I had taken some psychology classes in college at the University of Utah. And these are the things that I think are so fascinating is I think I had thrown out there to someone, I don't remember who where I thought, oh, I think I would like to to major in psychology. And I don't even remember who it was, but they just said, oh, there's not, there's not a lot you can do with that. And I remember thinking, oh, okay, not a lot I can do with that. Guess I won't do that. And, <laughs> and so then, you know, I get a, a degree in mass communications and then here we go fast forward 10 years later and I'm sitting in a Denny's parking lot eating taco trees, super nachos for about the 40th day in a row. Listen to Dr. Laura. <laughs> that's that's a red flag. Is the I think so. super nachos? If they're it's, made, I still eat those to this it's time day. Time for though. life change. I still eat those to this day. 
And I just remember thinking, man, I just really like people's stories. And I had also, I love biographies. I love biographies. I would, there was a magazine at the time called Biography, I think, uh-huh. right? And when I would travel, I traveled a lot in the computer software industry. I covered the world. I went to Japan, I think 30 times and Russia and China and all over throughout Europe peddling my goods. And so I would enjoy the trips, just not the work itself. But I would get magazines at the time. And I remember I would read every biography magazine. And I was just fascinated by people and the way that they work and the way that they tick. And then I think that a lot of people that become therapists have the same story of where they say, and I w- everybody would just open up to me. And so I don't know what that vibe is, uh-huh. but I but would, you felt that I did. And I would go on these trade shows. And I remember people that were helping set up our trade show booth or um, other things would just all of a sudden I'm hearing about their troubles with their girlfriend or their, yeah. you know, and I remember very succinctly or specifically a lot of those different situations or spending time going out and having to go to dinner with some guy in Germany trying to pitch my software. And before you know it, we're opening up about the struggles of being a, a father or a husband. Yeah. And so then I just kept thinking, man, between Dr. Laura, the not enjoying my job, biographies, connecting with people. I just thought I got to do something around this. And I, a big part of that that I left out was I had been writing a humor column in my local newspaper for about six, seven years at that point. And I had had my first couple of kids. And so I was writing a ton of things around being a dad. And so then I also wanted to write a book about being a dad. And so now I realized the thing I use as an excuse to want to go back to grad school and get a master's in counseling was I told myself that I wanted to write a book, but nobody would listen to me unless I had letters behind my name. Uh-huh. So I might as well just go back and yeah, get a get master's in counseling so yeah. that I can then write this dad book, which I never ended up doing anything with. Well, hey, I still have all still the chapters young too. Oh, well, my youngest though is now graduated from high school. So you figured it out. That is a you very graduated good point. from dadhood. <laughs> that's right. That's a good from point. That age. Yeah. So, so then it was, uh, yeah, it was the slow go back to school, one class a, a week couple of years into it, then all of a sudden you have to start seeing clients. And then I would pretend and say, oh, I guess I'll just do this. I mean, I might as well just finish this program out. And then once you graduate, then you have to get 3000 hours toward your licensing. So you might as well do that. Yeah. And so then I say, I'll work part-time for the church. You know, I'll I'll throw them a bone, Kurt, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And so then that went for years and just loved every bit of the counseling, which actually then made going back to my day-to-day job and computers and that sort of thing, even worse, it made it just miserable. And so then, uh, then just ventured out and started working in private practice. And now it's the greatest thing I've ever done. And I just love everything about it. And I just eat, drink and sleep, just mental health and you just, do. Damn, you're do. fun to geek out with as I far as I appreciate that. Concepts. And that's why I think and that's I'm what we're excited. doing today. Exactly. Yeah. And when you had mentioned that that was the goal was because I kept, you know, said, Kurt, what are we going to talk about? Like, what, what should I start preparing? And, and Kurt just said, <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, that'll be fun. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, Kurt's going a little senile because I'm literally asking him, can you give me something to prep <laughs> yes, with? Yes, all of it. Yeah. All of it. Yeah. And then we start Marco Poloing like the kids do, which was yeah. a lot of fun. Yeah, we're hip now. Yeah. And then uh-huh. I thought, oh, well, Kurt maybe just isn't like listening to my entire rant or ramble about <laughs> so anyway about the topic and, and now then you I finally out, yeah yeah you just didn't listen to my reply so no yes, until yeah. 10 minutes ago yeah. right yeah so so this is what i love and by the way if people are listening via virtual couch i'm yeah. kurt frankum oh yeah kurt uh, I, uh, pretend that i wasn't just only thinking about myself and uh, maybe we can edit in okay. there kurt, it'll lead into our you. narcissistic discussion <laughs> that's a later. good point <laughs> So, uh, Leading Saints is a nonprofit organization where we're dedicated to helping Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. And that's why I love talking with you, therapist type, because I just love to hear, and let's start here, is like, oh, well, let me 
put a plug in. We had you come out like, oh, let's talk about six, this. Six was last month. I, I know I've been dragging my feet to get it all edited and whatnot. It's out there. We're going to put an awesome link in the Please. show notes yeah. so people can watch it for free. I yeah. think we went after editing everything out. We were there for four hours. So you would schedule me for three. four and I actually ended up going about four and a half. Okay. And, so and maybe it's closer to four. Yeah, yeah. But then I did see, I watched a little bit of it. I have a hard time watching myself, <laughs> but I really did need to see if you made me sound at least somewhat. Oh yeah. And you did. Yeah, we can. You guys it. did a great yep. job. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I feel like I'm excited for people to see that. For yeah. Real. So if you like this episode of, you should listen to other episodes of Tony and the Virtual Couch, but also we'll put a link to check out this. I, I call it Leading Saints Live, where okay. we bring in a guest like you, and we just say we're cutting the leash. Run with it, Tony. And yeah. you did that. And we were in this cool old church that had amazing. no bathroom and no, no bathroom. air conditioning. And um, at one point the door was open on the side. You remember there were people that were walking by with their horses. Yes. 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 And I just thought, again, I thought Kurt staged this. Yeah, I forget the name. It's a pro. Oh, uh, anyways. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll put it in the show notes, but so I just love like meeting up with a therapist from time to time and just saying like, all right, Tony, like what problems are walking yeah. in your office? Like there's always like, you talk to any Bishop it's like, oh man, the, the porn thing is just out of control or the, the faith crisis, the mm. faith journey thing. Right. So like in the last, Three months. If you were to like nail it down to a few topics, what are you seeing? Okay, boy, that's pressure. So it's interesting because I started out as, I guess, I have somewhat of what would be called a a pornography expert. And I have a book that was a bestseller in sexual health and recovery called He's a Porn Addict, Now What? An Expert and a Former Addict Answer Your Questions. Mm -hmm. And I only mentioned that because it's interesting that I had done almost a decade's worth of working with guys that struggled with turning to porn as a a coping mechanism. Mm Mm-hmm. For so long that then I felt like, okay, I got my reps, my 10,000 hours in. And then at that point though, I didn't necessarily want to be viewed as the porn expert. And so, and I give that real quickly to say that in the pornography world, which I feel so blessed to be able to help people, I've got an online program called The Path Back and I've got this men's group that is just thriving. And one of the members of the men's group uh, just released a book about his overcoming addiction. And a lot of it is based off of just the interactions within our group and my program. And so I'm just, I mean, it's called Conquering Your Addictions, this amazing guy named LT, but it's been, it's just been so wonderful to see that. But again, the reason I'm using that as setting this up is in working with people that are struggling with porn, you start out when you don't know what you don't know. And you're going down that same path of, hey, seeing him, you know, do some push-ups. How about you just don't look at it? You know, those gyms. Uh, yeah, I, start, right? I did that as the bishop. <laughs> right. Year one. It's like, year, have you yeah. tried that? Well, and, and as a matter of fact, what I was so grateful for is that was, I think, the first episode that I ever did with you was uh, taking shame out of the oh, bishop's yeah. office. And that one. Yeah, we'll link to it. Okay. Fantastic and I, I, I still feel like that was, I was so grateful to be able to do that. And I got so much feedback about that. But when I was helping people turn away from pornography as a coping mechanism, I identified that there were these five voids I felt like really. So we would almost don't talk about the porn because they know that they don't want to look at porn anymore. That's the whole thing. And so mm-hmm. that's why I say telling them uh, like, you know, this isn't great, right? It's really like, bad. They, they totally I get mean, that, yeah, right? The sex trafficking is an industry is oh, closely right? connected. It's, you do know that. Like as if these yeah. these heavy perspectives will sort of be like wake like, them oh up, my right? Gosh, right. But, but that's, what, that's not what, what's happening. No, and that's yeah. what even drives the behavior more into the shadows, which is only makes it worse. Yeah. So then these five voids, I really felt like if people didn't feel connected in their marriage or as a parent in their faith, their health or their career. So then I said, okay, I need to start looking at ways to help people in those areas. And then it's almost like, yeah, we'll get back to the porn. Don't worry. And so let's pause right there. Like, cause I think like with the benefit of hindsight, like if I was to be a bishop again and somebody walked in with a porn issue, like 
I would like literally not talk about porn at all or behaviors or like, I wouldn't ask them the second, third time, fourth time back, like how many slip ups? Like I wouldn't even go there. I would just say like, what's going on with your life? Tell me about your childhood. You know, like what, tell me about your friends. Like what are tough times like, you know, do you like your job? Right. Like totally. And from a spiritual, I don't want to step in the role of that therapist, obviously connecting to somebody there, but stepping in that role of like, I'm going to help this person uncover their pure identity. Yeah. Because they've, that's where the connection points really attached to. They do. Yeah. 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 It's so good. And I love that you bring that up because I know so many people that just become a bishop or just get into a position of leadership in the church, just eat up leading saints podcasts. And so I know there are going to be people here that are going to hear this. And I can say from now, 15 years of experience, I think 15, 1600 individuals working that I save with confidence, shame has helped in zero of their recovery. Absolutely zero. So people beating themselves up is that is the adversary. That is the brain, you know, still wanting to come up with a creative way to still get its dopamine rush at some point. And so that's where I love what you're saying. It's we'll deal with the porn. We'll talk about that. But if we can start to find connection and I really feel like the the vibe of a therapist or a bishop or any leader is I would love for somebody to really look at that. They have this opportunity to say, oh, I love you. I care about you, even if you are turned into unhealthy coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. And, and I understand that a spouse that feels betrayed can be really hard because they feel like that is okay, but I don't want this in the relationship. And, and that's where I feel like a bishop, a therapist, somebody gets to say, oh, absolutely. And I don't want you to have that in the relationship either, but I really need to help this person do this for them. And so that then they realize that they are loved, yeah. you know, they are lovable. Yeah. So I want to come back to this connection point, but okay. I'm just like going back into that question of like, what are you seeing walking? Oh, like, okay, let's, let's say you have a new person show up on your, yeah. you don't know who they are. It's just a name on your schedule. Yeah. What's the chances of, of them walking in and it being a porn issue? Not, not a lot. Okay. Yeah. Not a lot. It really isn't because, so I feel like that where I feel like I'm seeing more and more, I'm doing a whole lot with couples. And okay. I think a lot of that's because when I put out material and I talk about my four pillars of a connected conversation, which we can talk about, I really feel like that is, it is gold. I feel like the four pillars are of God. I feel like, you know, having this way to communicate effectively with your spouse Mm -hmm. that uncovers so many things in a relationship and including challenges with people's faith. And man, I feel like I can go so many different directions right now, but so people coming in, I get, (laughs) I get a lot of people that are reaching out that are struggling with their faith, faith journey. And then and being in you know yeah. California, how, what percentage of what's the chance of that new client being a Latter Day Saint? Oh, so that's a great. I, so I still probably see sixty to seventy percent of my clientele are LDS. Okay, they are, and it's interesting when I honestly, this is kind of fun to talk about. But when somebody comes into my office and they don't have any affiliation with the church whatsoever, and they don't know me as having any affiliation with the church, and yet I still will end up talking about Fowler stages of faith, or I'll yeah. end up talking about you know, I feel like the time passed a while ago where people now, pornography is not just viewed as, oh, you religious, you know, nut jobs are the only ones yeah. that think it's bad because we've got all the data now that, okay, it does warp one's sexuality. Or I feel like there's a missed opportunity for connection in a relationship. I know that we're going to go on tangents, Kurt, but I still remember so clearly it was shortly into the pandemic and I was asked to go on a national radio show. And I do this too often where I just, don't do enough research. And I just say, sure, if I can fit it in my schedule. <laughs> and then it's in three minutes. Well, and like, Here th- well we this go. was actually though, it was, I had plenty of runway on this one, but this is one where I didn't look at what the host was talking about. And they just said, they want me to talk about porn and the pandemic. And as it gotten worse. And so I just thought, oh yeah, I could do this one. No problem. So I jump on there and the guy immediately has, I mean, and he's got a national following and he just says, 
well, there's no problem with porn. And my wife and I watch porn and that sort of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And I love that. I I mean, again, I feel confident in the things I know and the things I can talk about. And I just said, Hey, well then I would not be seeing you in my office. So, uh, Mm -hmm. what else do you want to talk about? You know? And, and by the time we were done, you know, I was saying, okay, well, I believe it's an unhealthy coping mechanism, but if you feel like that is a, an integral part of your relationship, then I said, the only thing I would challenge is, you know, I would love to ask your wife if she feels like, uh, that's a connection point for her as well, or does she feel like that's something that she has to, to tolerate in order to mm-hmm. feel a connection? And then I said, and then I lay out my four pillars and I just say, so I feel like, uh, man, w- what would that look like if you actually, instead of needing to have this shared experience around watching other people become intimate, felt like you could be open and vulnerable and intimate with your spouse and be as present as you could possibly be. And then I feel like he said, well, I do have a problem eating. I think he said brownies. And I said, okay, I can talk to you about that. Yeah. And then by the end, he's saying a uh, friend of the show, Tony, right? And yeah, I was yeah. like, mm, I don't know about that. <laughs> Love so, so I'm curious, like with, you know, we'll come back to connection, but what is like, when a new client comes in, do you have like a go-to question that you ask everybody like as they plant themselves in that couch or is there like a rapport building moment? Yeah, I, okay. So it's a great question too. I, so man, here's where I'm going to, and we'll get to this too. I'm going to stand in my healthy ego, Kurt. This is going to sound do like it, man. Um, where I used to That's say, we bring I used here. to say this is my narcissistic trader tendency. That's why okay. I say we're going to get to this. But in the healthy ego, I'm super blessed, fortunate, and cannot believe I'm in a spot now where I probably get 10 to 15 referrals a week. And so I pick and choose who I want to work with. And I've got a really, I I mean, I've kind of got a long wait list and I'm booked out for a long time. So I know when you kind of are saying, tell me about these new clients (laughs) in my mind, I'm like every now and again, I do get one Kurt. And then, but but at that point it's somebody that I've kind of vetted and I feel it's funny because a lot of them will say, Hey, I've listened to a lot of your podcasts or it's people that have taken my marriage course or my recovery course or my parenting course or They've read my book and that's what I'm saying. I'm going to say healthy ego. I'm not trying to say, so I know that they adore me, Kurt, but I feel like, okay, here's somebody that says, all right, I like, I really feel a connection with you. I like where you're going with things. So I speak kind of fluent you. And so I would love to kind of bounce some things off of you. Or I would love to talk more or learn more. And so those are the people I really like. And I do a lot of speaking and I did a, like a mixed faith marriage fireside not long ago. And so, you know, then I had a couple of people reach out and say, all right, man, you made it sound like this is something that can be done. So if you happen to have space or availability, I would love to work with you. So somebody like that, oh my gosh, I will, for almost to a fault, I will make time, you know, and that's mm-hmm. why I know when we joke about it and I'll tell you how many clients I'm seeing or what yeah, time in the morning I'm the seeing evening, them. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever. It's because when I get somebody in that spot, I just want to help so bad. I really yeah. do. So I'm not trying to dodge your question, but I'm that's mean, helpful. Yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm kind of picking and choosing. So I'm really working mainly. Well, so with, let me ask you from yeah. this angle: like when that person walks in, you vetted them to some degree, maybe. Oh, yeah. Like you've talked to them on a few phone calls. Like what no, does that vetting I, look I, like? I, um, they've sent me a couple of emails, okay. and then I have them fill out a questionnaire in the okay. paperwork, and then I'll read the questionnaire. Okay. And then I'll have an idea of where they're coming from. Gotcha. Yeah. So what is that person thinking? Is that they're in a tough marriage, or they're struggling yeah. with pornography or faith journey, and they're just like, I need to tell him there's this problem with my faith. So what should I do? Like, yeah. what, where are they at when they first sit down on appointment yeah, one? That's a, okay. I really do like this. And I feel like now I'm going to do the thing where you're going to think I'm just telling you every question is a great question. I can't wait till you ask it, Dud, <laughs> Kurt. And I'm going to say, really, you know, you really, know what Kurt? I think every time somebody says that when I interview people, there is a, it's probably a good question. It's either a good question or a bad question and yeah. they don't know how to answer it. So yeah. they need, their brain needs to kill time. So their brain kicks out. Oh, that's a really good question. That's true. I, th- I know. I right? think that is obviously true. But yeah. this is where, again, I will stand on my healthy ego and say, now I am aware that that is uh, something I have done in the past. <laughs> so now I would either say, oh, let me 
take a minute or I'm going to tell you it's a decent question. Yeah. But I love, see, I could talk about this stuff all day. When I was okay. teaching seminary, I remember doing the thing where I would say sometimes somebody would answer something. I would say, oh, okay, I, you know, that's a good point. And then my class, I only taught seniors for seven years or so. And by the few months in, they would say, oh, you mean I'm wrong? You know, <laughs> and I was like, really? Is it that obvious? You it's know? a cover. For, yeah, it's yeah. a cover. So, and here's our first ADD moment. I can't remember okay. what the question was. <laughs> so like the person coming in, oh. sitting on the couch, where are they at? Because yeah, this is okay. the thing is... I remember as from just let me insert my bishop perspective here. Yes. When someone would come in that like new appointment, I haven't met them, like, okay, they've <laughs> it's either they've got something really heavy to share yeah. or it's an ecclesiastical endorsement. And sometimes oh, they come in and they're you like see those coming? How can I can I how can I help? And they're like, Oh, I'm just going to BOU Idaho next fall and I'm like, yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, let's get the paperwork <laughs> yeah. going. You know, but anyways. No, I like it. So so I but, feel so yes. I would often ask like I would just I wanted to get to the point because I know that there's just like it's a miracle they're showing up at the bishop's mm. office. And so I would just say, how can I help you? Okay. So this is really good. Uh, that's where I was. I was like, it actually is a decent question, Kurt. I'll give you that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'll yeah, give you that. I know that, don't I? I'll give you I that. Right. So by the time that someone is sitting across from me, man, this sounds egotistical, but it is absolutely true, is they've resonated with something. They've said, okay, I haven't heard someone talk about being able to navigate a faith journey and then stay connected with my spouse or to my faith community until I heard you speak at this fireside or I heard this episode mm-hmm. of your podcast or a lot of the couples I see are coming in saying, okay, I hear you lay out this framework of a way to communicate. And I have never had that in my entire marriage. And I think that I don't know if I can stay in my marriage, but I want to make sure that I've done everything I can do. So I think this framework would be worth looking into. Mm-hmm. So right now between faith and hearing people I think because I I really like talking about faith journeys, the people's faith crisis, valor stages of faith, all those things. I love talking about that. So I feel like when I talk about it, I really, I really believe what I'm preaching. Mm -hmm. And then the couples, I think I've seen, I don't know, 12, 1300 couples at this point as well. And I feel like I feel very confident that when we can settle into this framework of communication that we are going to learn, is this just a matter of uh, two people that are in relationships that don't know what they don't know about communication or about taking ownership or accountability of things? Or is it a lot of times someone finds out that, okay, I have lost my sense of self in this relationship. And now that there's this framework, my spouse can't even use a framework from this professional to try to even communicate. And so then I don't know if my relationship is viable. So I feel like I'm getting people coming in and that is what leads into the concept of narcissism or emotional immaturity. And I think I was sharing with you that the podcast I released a few months ago, Waking Up to Narcissism, Mm -hmm. that thing in 30 something episodes is almost equal to the virtual couch as far as downloads. And I actually had to just brought in an amazing assistant named Naomi, who is handling all the emails I get because I get maybe and I'm not using narcissistic math here, but, you know, five to 10 (laughs) emails a day that are book length of people saying, I've never felt so heard. I didn't know this was a thing. I feel like you were in my car and heard the argument we had, or I feel like you've been bugging my home and it is just their heart wrenching. And so, and then I started a private women's Facebook group for women that are in relationships with narcissistic fill in the blank spouses, parents, entities. I mm-hmm. mean, I feel like a lot of people feel like they have a, a relationship with an, a, an emotionally immature congregation or mm-hmm. church leader yeah. job, you know, any of those kind of situations. And so people feel really heard. And now I've, I just had my first men's group call just yesterday about for, for guys that are saying, Hey, I actually feel like when I hear the way you, you talk about it, I think I might, that might be me. And I'm telling you, Kurt, 
that just lights me up. And this, I had this meeting yesterday. I didn't know if I was going in as a lamb to the slaughter or Mm -hmm. if I was going, I didn't know what it was going to be looking like because a couple of people that had reached out to me had had literally sent emails saying, so uh, here you diagnosed me as a narcissist and my wife thinks you, you know, everything you say is the truth. I don't know who this person's wife is. I mean, they've been listening to a podcast and apparently now they're saying... (laughs) Well, Tony says that you're a narcissist and he's like, well, let me go settle this guy's hash, you know, (laughs) and I'm getting an email that says, and then I, and and so those I'll try to really get back to this one person. I said, Hey, so first up, I don't know who you are. I don't know who your wife is and I can't diagnose somebody unless I'm working with them. Even then we could talk for days about, I don't know if that's even very helpful, Yeah, but uh, you know, but I hear you and I talk about the big piece of that waking up to narcissism podcast is that came about because of the more that I started recognizing these patterns and relationships and my own narcissistic traits and tendencies and my own emotional immaturity and inability to sometimes even hear or stay present and understand where my wife is coming from in situations that then I started saying, man, I need to do more with this. And even the name of the podcast, waking up to narcissism is waking up to the narcissistic relationship in a marriage, or like I say, in a parent child relationship or in relationship to a employment or a faith experience or community or the bigger piece is waking up to my own yeah. narcissism. Yeah. And so as I find more people that are reaching out and talking about how much that helps them, so kind of going back to your question, the people coming in in front of me are saying that they feel heard and understood from a Something's faith resonated. crisis, from a faith journey, yeah. from a couple's situation, or from a an emotional immaturity or narcissistic standpoint, because okay. that word's getting thrown out all over the place. Oh, and then we're going to talk about that Good. for sure. Good. So, <laughs> and that's interesting because I'm, I'm trying to put it up against, like if we were to just in a in a laboratory, put up a therapist's office next to the bishop's office. Yeah. Obviously, we know the bishop's office, not the therapist's office. They play different roles, whatever. But I'm just curious, like, how is it easier for people to walk into a therapist's office or easier for people to walk into a bishop's office? And of course, the answer is, well, it depends on the therapist, the bishop, whatever. But I'm just also wondering, like, how, like, because you say you get 10, 15 referrals a, a week, new, yeah. new referrals a week. Yeah. There's bishops out there thinking, mm, I guess my ward's doing pretty good because nobody's coming to see yeah. me or they came once and I guess I fixed them or they don't need my help anymore okay. when in reality they don't like it. So like, how can we create yeah. that resonation? Mm-hmm. And of course we can, you know, my mind goes to, you know, the doctrine of repentance and grace and if we can show love, like make sure that, you know, we'll, we can hear and talk here, but how can we help people resonate okay. so they walk in the bishop's so office? So what, uh, what the, cause there is no video camera in here, which I can't believe you didn't get that I in know. the contract that I sent over ahead of time. <laughs> uh, my, my, my water seems to be two our, degrees our lawyers will than, speak okay, later. Exactly. Right. But I just dramatically <laughs> sat up in my chair because as Curtis saying this, I feel, I so appreciate this because when you said, I don't know, is it easier to go into the therapist's office or the bishop's office? I guess, and it's, I guess the people that are coming into my office are there primarily because they don't feel safe enough or confident enough mm-hmm. or like they can go into their bishop's office or they feel like I have gone into my bishop's office and that didn't go very well. So I'm going to try this. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. So I get a lot of that. And so, and this is the stuff where I feel like the reason I sat up dramatically is I sometimes think, okay, is this going to be controversial? But then I honestly realize that but this is my opinion and I can't not think this. Yeah. So let me take you back in time. Kurt. Go ahead, apostate. Okay. Just keep <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so I love my stake president is amazing. Um, he's one of my best friends and I've grown up with him forever. And so I love the fact that he and I can just talk so openly about things. And so in 2019, 
the church had hired me to do a training for all the LDS family services therapists on navigating a faith crisis and a faith journey. Yeah, and it was, and a, you sent me the link. Yeah, I hacked it three hours. It was yeah. Great. And I loved it and I loved the opportunity. And then that, then they, I think they just recommended me as someone that could participate in the, it's called generations. It's a, the Utah mental health conference that they hold mm-hmm. every year. It's not a church thing. It's a mental health conference. And so I was going to be part of this panel that was, and I love this part because it sounds like I'm setting you up for a joke, but it was uh, in the past, it's been a priest, a rabbi, and like an LDS person. <laughs> they do not walk into a bar. Okay. Uh, but, but then uh, because I, I don't know, because of the pandemic, whatever it looked like, they had said, hey, we've got a guy that could speak to this. And the conference title was, or the topic of the conversation is faith crisis, spiritual health, and a mental health moving forward or something. But then the priest and the rabbi, apparently either they backed out or they weren't invited. And so then I had the whole conference. I had the whole hour, hour and a half to present this. And so I went big on all the stuff I enjoy, acceptance and commitment therapy, external validation. But then I went big into Fowler stages of faith. And I talked about that a lot. And so then I took that and the training and then I shared that with my stake president. And I just said, president, I, I just feel kind of almost this calling or passionate. I w- if there's any way that I can help with anyone going through this. And I love that he talked to me about that it, yeah, of course he's seeing a lot of that in the stake, but it's one of those things like where it's faith crisis. Yeah. Stuff, uh-huh. But it's hard to just go talk from the pulpit and say, Hey, let me talk about faith crisis. To, Cause there's a lot of people that are like, wait, what? I didn't know. Should I be having one? I, Cause I'm not, I mean, yeah. tell me more, <laughs> you know? And so then he suggested I go and I, and so I trained all the bishops in our stake with the four, my four pillars of a connected conversation mm-hmm. and then the Fowler stages of faith. And the reason I'm giving you this whole big rundown is he had sent out the links to those trainings. And I know everybody's got a lot of time. They really do. They, right? they're, yeah, they've crazy. got yeah, right? so much time. Yeah. But so I, and I know he said it would be great if he could watch these things and be familiar with this before we talk. Well, I knew that people weren't going to. And so then we got in there and it was really interesting because some of the bishops were saying, okay, it's just really helped. And I can, it helps me understand that everybody has their own perspective and here's this way to communicate more effectively. And then there were others that were just saying, okay, well, but what if you're wrong? And, you know, and, how do you just tell people that they're wrong? And I just felt like that in itself was you've got some bishops that somebody's going to go into and they're going to just naturally say, Hey, thank you for coming in. Tell me more. Cause you know, I am more familiar now. And I, and here's where it looks like I'm just saying, thankfully I listened to Tony and now I know everything, <laughs> but the, these four pillars. So they, they are saying, okay, I have a, a framework to communicate that is going to allow the person coming in to feel heard and understood before I share my experience. And then the stages of faith is a way to kind of communicate this, Oh, and we may be in different places with our faith. So I feel like the people, the bishops, if they, and again, bishops are so overworked and overwhelmed that Mm -hmm. I know that that isn't, they can't just go watch and read and listen to everything. But then I felt like in that training, there were some that were asking questions of, okay, man, that makes sense. And so, you know, how can I be more supportive or what are some good questions I can ask to start out with? And there was one bishop, bless his heart, who then said, okay, I hear you. But he said, it sounds like what you're saying to me is that I need to listen to somebody for an hour and I worry that's going to condone their bad behavior. And so I took that and I realized, and I think I was probably a little bit dramatic or emotionally immature. A little salty. But yeah. Cause I think I, I think I did a big old, like a big sigh or whatever. But I said, man, thank you, Bishop. But I said, there's so many things there that I think are a challenge is I said, so, you know, the obviously listening to them for an hour is going to condone their bad behavior you know, I said, man, I want to look at this, not saying that I'm looking at it like the savior, but I said, as a therapist, it's just behavior. So, and this is where my first pillar is assuming good intentions, or there's a reason why people do or say, or show up the way they do that. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to go ruin my life. Nobody does. I know they don't. 
So if they are doing something that is contrary to what they would like to be doing or even what you feel like would be best for them in your role and your role as the steward or, or leader, that then the first place to go with that is to assume good intentions or there's a reason why. And so I said, so I have a hard time seeing bad behavior. I just see it as behavior. So if we're already saying, okay, fine, I'll listen. But then I feel like I just condoned their bad behavior. We're already off to a bad start yeah. because that person's going to feel that, that vibe, that energy, that spirit in the room. And that's where I feel like now. And in that particular thing, I said, uh, you know, I said, this is why I feel like I never would have known any of this had I not changed careers, had I not become a therapist, because right. now sitting with so many people that have dealt with emotional abuse, physical abuse, they've been molested, sexual abuse, they've been, they've been, you know, beaten in childhood. They've had people die. They've seen horrific things in, in their jobs or in, in whatever. And now we're going to let them know that this is how you're supposed to think, feel, or act or behave. I mean, that person is trying to just get through life. Yeah. And so I feel like, so when you say, is it easier to go to the therapist or the bishop? That's my long way of saying, I kind of think it might be if it's the bishop that's saying, thank you so much for being here, period, fill in, you know, tell me more. I mean, I don't feel like there's enough of that experience that, so then someone going in already feels like I know I have done wrong and I'm worried I'm going to say the wrong thing. And I know I need to basically hear the, what I'm supposed to do. And so when I hear all of somebody presenting in my office, that feeling, no wonder that they start to feel like what's wrong with me. And if the bishop seems pretty upset and if I... I've tried those things before and I already know what he's going to say. So, and if he's a representative of God, then I know God's got to be mad at me too. And mm. so look at all that stuff that's yeah. leading up to having it's somebody. It's like a domino effect. Oh, it just like grows or ripples out, right? Please join us for part two of this podcast. That concludes this episode of the Leading Saints podcast. We'd love to hear from you about your questions or thoughts or comments. You can either leave a comment on the uh, post related to this episode at leadingsaints.org or go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and send us your perspective or questions. If there's other episodes or topics you'd like to hear on the Leading Saints podcast, go to leadingsaints.org slash contact and share with us the information there. And we would love for you to share this with any individual you think this would apply to, especially maybe individuals in your ward council or other leaders that you may know who would really appreciate the perspectives that we discussed. It came as a result of the position of leadership which was imposed upon us by the God of heaven who brought forth a restoration of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And when the declaration was made concerning the own and only true and living church upon the face of the earth, we were immediately put in a position of loneliness, the loneliness of leadership from which we cannot shrink nor run away and to which we must face up with boldness and courage and ability.